to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. This is the story of three days. On the first day, the second transport company left McKee Barracks at 6pm on Sunday the 6th of March for Somalia. On the third day, the 8th of March, the first transport company returned. It began on an extremely cold and windy evening. Private O'Brien, Gerard. Private O'Brien, William. Yes. Private O'Connell. Yes. Corporal O'Brady. Yes. Private O'Keefe. Yes. Just some of the 80 men and one lady setting off for Dublin Airport by bus for Somalia. Private Ryan. Yes. Private Hogan. Serial number 26. Okay. Now I believe we have some people travelling with us also. Private Godfrey, you're one of them. Yes. Uh, Aaron Park or Aaron Daly. And yourself, sir, is this? And is there anybody else traveling, sir? Just Davis. Come on, TA. Top functional. Great meal of August. Okay, yes. Ready? Okay. Right, gentlemen, remember, that's your manifest order. The people in AM want to check us all off again. So now we just. Can't hear you, sir! You heard there too, my name is just being called out. Here am I, setting off to Somalia with 18 men. Start a couple of dumpers, hook, hook, and then. The remainder starting a private lobby. We're travelling the newer bus. We're getting a little bit more luxury. We're on the luxury to go out the window and soon we get outside. So come on to yourself and now. Look, yes, big. Great tossing, Marshalls. So off to Dublin Airport where we were greeted by the airport police and escorted to our very special waiting area away from the main airport. The men are a little anxious, lots of nervous giggling and slagging and restless to be off. The company um, formed up on 10th of January in the Curra. Um, basically, uh, we got the gears as into thinking that we were going somewhere different and I tried to emphasise to all the boys and our, our lady driver that it wasn't Lebanon that we were going to, it was a different ball game altogether. And the training that was involved was basically more to do with um, tactics, a tactical move, movement of troops, or a convoy move from A to B. And uh, again, I had great help from everybody blended in, they'd done what they had to do. And the actual, the training, as you know, is, is very detailed anyway, so I won't go into that. But the training that was carried out was basically convoy duties, convoy, what we call convoy SOPs, and how to get from A to B without, without anything happening, basically. Or if something does happen, what we do... How many of them have been out before to, to Lebanon? How many? Oh, most of them have been to Lebanon. Yeah. Like, they've all... I've one or two good boys there now with um, seven, seven and eight trips to Lebanon, so they know what they're doing. And what about any, any first-timers? Um, there are two. That's all? Uh, two at the moment, yes. So I'd just like to take this opportunity of feeding you all a safe journey out there, a safe tour there, and a happy journey back. I'll be out on Wednesday week uh, to visit you for a couple of days anyway. And I'm looking forward very much to that. 
I will have uh, old friends and enemies going out from this group and uh, I hope they have the kind of time they'd like to have. Uh, it's a tough mission, uh, don't get it wrong, a very tough mission. Uh, the weather is extreme. We in Aer Lingus are delighted to be with you on this flight to Nairobi. Captain Brian Lang is in charge. As soon as we were in the air, I went in search of the first timers. I was never anywhere before now. My first trip abroad was the Army. And how do you feel about it? Um, I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> I haven't decided. But you did volunteer. Oh, I did volunteer, yeah. And why did you never volunteer for Lebanon? It never appealed to me. Never, never thought... I never wanted to go to the Lebanon. And what, what does it mean to you about Somalia? I haven't decided yet. I don't know. <laughs> Tell you in a week. What's your name? Patrick O'Grady. Are you excited about it all? Uh, I am excited, yeah. I am, yeah. Was it a sad day today? Um, yeah, it was sad, yeah. It was sad. It was sad, but we were happy at the same time. Who was at home now? Uh, wife and two children. Nora, Toig and Kira. Happy as Larry to be rid of me, I'd say. <laughs> You're from Donegal, are you? Yeah. And have you been to Lebanon lots of times? I've been there twice. And you volunteered for Somalia? Yeah, that's right. How do you feel about this one? Well, I don't know. But nervous, boys. See what it's like. It's exciting. It's exciting. I don't know. That. It's just here's the scariest part. I know, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> once, once you're there, it's okay. Hold your hand. <laughs> Hold your hand. Are you scared of an aeroplane? Scared of a wee bit. Well, you get on the Lancaster Road, the, what's it called, the Hercules. <laughs> By golly, then you might be scared. I'd be holding your hand then. Hold it then. And you've never been anywhere before? Never been anywhere, overseas, Lebanon, nowhere. Nowhere. How do you feel about this? Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm surprised I got this trip, you know, Why Somalia. You're a good driver. Good driver, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, man, yes. So my CO says. <laughs> How was your day like today? Uh, great. Kind of didn't expect half the treatment we got anyways, you know. And it felt really important more than anything else, you know. What kind of treatment did you get? Well, like, all the high-ranking officers coming down to say goodbye and things like that, you know. I never thought that would happen, you know. The size of this plane. <laughs> it's great, isn't Oh, it? brilliant, brilliant. And all the room as well. Massive. Massive. I was on small planes, all right, but never on this big. <laughs> I'm amazed at staying up. <laughs> that, that's great. Did you have to say goodbye to many today? Uh, just my parents and uh, my uh, fiance down in Cork and my child. But other than that, it's grand. What, what, what age is your baby? Uh, three years of age. That was that. Uh, I was. She wanted to know had I got her little uniform packed because she wanted to come out with me, you know. But uh, she thinks she she calls. She says I'm going to Somalia. <laughs> she can't she can't say Somalia. But uh, she didn't mind. She get over. I will indeed. Thanks right. a lot. Okay, bye. Now a lady on board. Do you know what I heard about you? I heard you were one of the best drivers in the army. It's true. <laughs> You're not very modest, are you? What? Tell me your name first. Moran, Private Moran O'Connell. When you got this trip. I was, yeah, I was very surprised actually. Were you? Yeah, I was because it's it's unusual, I think, um, for a female to get Somali. You know, I, I was surprised, but I'm delighted. <laughs> whether whether the lads would be scared with me driving them now is another thing. But <laughs> did you learn much about it before you came out? Yeah, we we learned quite a bit. You know, well, I wouldn't know. 
I'm waiting. It's it's all going to be new to me, as I say. But we know the temperatures and that, and to, to expect um, extreme temperatures, and we're going to be living in um, accommodation like tent accommodation. But I, I think it's high quality tent accommodation. Yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah. so I heard. Yes. Yeah. It's even air conditioned. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's it's going to be new. It's it's going to be different, but it, I, I'm going to enjoy it. I think. Uh, how do you feel now? Tired, tired. Are you looking forward to getting there? Oh yeah, I'm excited. All right. Um, I'm expecting it to be very hot on here, but you, you wouldn't really expect the heat that we're going into. It's supposed to be around 51 degrees. Did you have many to say goodbye to yesterday? Uh, my wife Susan and daughter Sarah, mother and father. Were they nervous about it all? Oh yeah, very, fairly nervous. You know, Susan wasn't too bad. Now, to be honest, she was fairly, she's fairly strong, like you know. But um, I'd say I was <laughs> worse than any of them. <laughs> it's terrible hard saying goodbye, like you know. What's your name? Uh, Ray Murphy. I'm from Port Arlington. William O'Brien is there. Uh... Where do you live? I, I, I'm from Mallow myself. How many injections did you have to have? Which is, I can't count a number. Really? Oh my god, I just can't count a number. The medical was severe, which was only right anyway, you know, because of the conditions that we have, we're going to be confronted by. You know, there's no medic, you know, top grade hospital in this particular area. Is there a medic here with you? Uh, Sergeant Michael Noel in there. He's in the background there at the moment. I, I, there he is there now, standing up. Just, just. He's coming, he's coming down now, actually. Yeah, he's, he's back turned here now. He's... Thanks, Leonard. No problem, Have Tessa. A great tour. Uh, I hear you're the medic. That's right, yeah. I want to know about the injections, all the injections they got. Well, they started off with um, yellow fever. Um, then went down to the College of Surgeons. We got uh, rabies and meningitis. We got three of those. First one, you get one the first day you go. Then next week, then you get another one, and then the third week. Actually, it's, it's a month from the first to the last. And then they got um, hepatitis A if they required it, hepatitis B. And we were tested for HIV as well, so everybody is clear. So they're going out here with a completely clean bill of health. Were there many, any turned down because of medical reasons? There was, I suppose, 25% or more. Um, so all you guys here are really the fittest. What we do now, we do a fitness test. So if you pass that, well, basically, that should cover you. There are. On the treadmill, is it? No, you do a two-mile a two-mile run in. The different age different age groups have different um, set of speeds, time limits. Um, so the over forties, the over forties now they would have, they would have. Uh, <laughs> Small is the gas man, but uh, they would walk three miles in, in in the in the same like the same time or say an hour or something like that. Next year I'll be in that one. They wouldn't let me do it this year because I haven't. I was just on top of the hill but not quite over it. <laughs> so I'll have I'll be 40 out there. How many did you leave behind? Uh, two boys and a missus. Where are they? Um, they're living in Key Park. I had a busy morning of it because I was selling the car and I got up early to sort of get the car ready to sell and got it over and got back and various other things. So you sold your car this morning? Yeah. <laughs> have a great trip. Okay, thank you very much. Look, look after the guys well. I'll do my best.
I know you can't hear him here, but the captain is telling us that we're approaching Nairobi and that the weather is wonderful and that we'll be landing very shortly. And in front of me are all these guys tripping off, showing their chests and taking off their clothes because it's going to be so hot because they left, of course, in their heavy, in their heavy uniforms. And I'm surrounded by bare-chested and tattooed guys. They're all going to lose weight now with all the sweat in their saying. There's a powerful lot of stripping going on. Try lucky, surrounded by men stripping. I should tell you as well that it's now 20 minutes to three in the morning of Monday morning, and we've just had breakfast. In fact, we had our breakfast at two o'clock. There's a great crowd of guys around here. They're all so happy. Of course it is. Which, how much hours is the difference? How many hours is the difference? Three hours. Three hours, yeah. So really it's now what? Four to six. Did they give you glasses, sunglasses? Uh, yeah. Don't know what they're like though, we haven't got them yet. Have you got any of your stuff yet really? Uh, well we have this here and boots. Stuff like that. What else are you going to get when you get there? Uh, I was supposed to be getting t-shirts and... Um, what else are we getting? T-shirts? What? What else are we getting? T-shirts and... Uh, hats. Sunglasses. Uh, creams. And, um, that's basically it. I bet you're dying to get settled in. Yeah, definitely. Please put out your cigarettes now. Don't smoke again until the officers give you permission. Thanks. On behalf of Captain Lang and the crew, I'd like to say how much we've enjoyed being with you. And we look forward to seeing you on your return. Have a pleasant trip. Not nearly as much as we look forward to seeing you. <laughs> and so we land in Nairobi, a very empty airport. And we do get inside while the Aer Lingus plane is unloaded onto the American Hercules. What do you think of Nairobi? This scenery out there, now is something you'd see on the television, you know, the old yeah. landscape. Very That's nice. Right. But I don't think we'll see much of that, though. <laughs> well, well, you will when you're driving around, will you not? I'm a mechanic. I won't be, I'll be under oh, the trucks. you'll be in a place, I see. What about you? Are you driver? I'm a driver, yeah. Well, then you will see. I'll, I'll see most of it anyway. Yeah. Whatever there is to see, like, <laughs> don't know. Do you like driving? You must. I do. I love it, yeah. Do love it. Really? I that anybody could like driving. Ah, sure, you're out on your own, and you're kind of your own boss when you're out on the road. Nobody roaring at you. <laughs> Nobody bothering you. That's right, yeah. Where are you from? Cork. And your first name is? Michael Maloney. How many people are sad at home at you leaving? The wife and two kids. But uh, they get over it, no problem. They're used, they're used to it at this stage. <laughs> How many times have you been away? Twice. Oh, that's not so much. That is not too bad, no. They're used to it anyway. What about you? Uh, away. Away. Uh, this is my second time. 11 on before, of course. 11 on, yeah. yeah. Were you delighted? Oh, yeah, I do see you've got hay fever. Were you delighted yeah. about coming to Somalia? I was actually, I'm uh, kind of, you know, it's a new experience, you know, yourself. It was something different. Lebanon was a bit yeah. played out, I think, even though I was only over there once now, but it yeah. was a bit kind of too militarised, you know. What's your name? Finbar Murphy. Oh, you have to be from Cork, no? Have to be, yes. Same <laughs> <laughs> Finbar. Of course. 
I hear him saying that the plane is going in five minutes. Yeah. Our, our, our Hercules. Have you got your earplugs? I have. Yes. In the bag somewhere. Yeah, we all have, I think. Thanks. <laughs> OK. So we're back on the tarmac, and again the men march on. Inside a very different story from the luxury of the 767. This is the real transport plane. The back open like one of the ferries. We all sit down the middle in rows facing each other on canvas benches with a kind of webbing to lean against. It's extremely hot and extremely noisy. And here again, a roll call to make sure no one has escaped. Private Gallagher. Yes. Private Gallagher. Yes. Private Gallagher. Yes. Private Grimes. Yes. Private Hogan. All aboard. And uh, Mr. Peter Bourne. That's me. I beg your pardon, Captain Peter Bourne. I hadn't got you on the original one. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Barry, they couldn't count. <laughs> we settle in on the Hercules, all with our earplugs. So there's nothing to do but doze off. The pilot apologised for the facilities. None. The meals. None. And tongue-in-cheek, he said, because there were two ladies on board, they were too embarrassed to show the in-flight movie. After two and a half hours, we arrive in Baidoa. And, oh boy, the heat. Uh, just to put you in context now, yeah. that's the main runway, obviously, and that's Camp Shannon just over there. See with the writing on the top of the... Oh, I do, yes. On the rope yes. hall. Yeah. That's now, and everything else is Indian, more or less, as you see. That's the main gate of the whole place. I see. What did you think about that ride in that aeroplane, the Hercules? Uh, it wasn't too bad, but... It, uh... The, the noise was the killer part of it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, the noise, yeah. Actually, it was more comfortable than I expected. You see, there was a lot of talk before, like, I mean, how bad it was, that it might be, but, yeah. like, yeah. it wasn't too bad after all. It was only the noise, like, you know, that's what I thought, isn't it? Yeah. The noise, like, you know. This is kind of a desolate place, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Oh, God, you're going to be here for six months. <laughs> I heard somebody other place said, ah, no, I don't think I'll stay. I think I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> We're arriving at the camp and all the cheers are from the guys who are about to go home. And they're all waiting to greet us. Delighted with themselves to think about it this time. That shortly they'll be on the way out. They're all tanned. God, what an amount of dust. As I walked through the camp, a miniature village of curious dome-shaped tents made entirely of plastic, I came across Sergeant Nobby Clare sitting on a most impressive bench. Where did you get the bench? Uh, one of the engineers' private... Um, Damien McCormick, he made it. God, it's wonderful. Yeah. Made it while he was here? Yes. And who's, who's Kate's joint? Oh, Kate, Kate Kearney's cottage. We have a Corporal Kearney here, and uh, he has a container down there, and we call it Kate Kearney's cottage. <laughs> Like anyone who, uh, like especially the fitters and people who work down the far end of the camp, yeah. they go in for a cup of tea in the mornings and uh, some water. And what's the sign there? Oh, the sign's Christy Moore sign. This is Moore Street you're in now at the moment. <laughs> All the streets here were named by myself and uh, Sergeant Gerard Lennigan. That's Sergeant Lennigan's um, 
medical sergeant. That's why you have Slee Henry Dunant, because he was the, the founder member of the Red Cross. Oh, I see. So this is Slee, Slee Henry Dunant. And you have uh, the Baroness Ryder for Captain O'Shuker, who's a Kerry man. Then you have Leeson Street, you have Moore Street, O'Connell Street and St. Patrick Street. Gosh, and the campus, Camp Shannon. Camp Shannon, yes. Yeah. You're only six months here and you've named all those places. Yes, yeah, yeah. What was it like when you came out here in the beginning? Um, it took us a long time to acclimatise to the weather. It's very warm out here. But, um, is it hot all the time? Yes. Uh, it wasn't as hot as it is now when we first came out. It was only about 30 degrees. Now it goes up sometimes to 51 degrees centigrade. So during the hours of 12 to 3 or 4, you're better off to stay indoors, out of the sun altogether. And do most people do that? They do, they do. Yeah, yeah. But at least you have air conditioning. Oh, the air conditioning is great. Yeah. Um, is it noisy? It's a bit noisy, but you, you get used to it. I'd say now when we go home, we'd have to uh, tell the wife to put on the radio so we can go to sleep, so we, you need some noise to it. Uh, what you'd be telling her to is put on the heat. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, well, I'd, I'd be glad to get back to the Irish weather. I'm more used to that, so... Um, did you go home for your holidays? No, no. You stayed I, here the whole six months? Well, I went to um, Kenya for um, a 60 hour and uh, had a good time there. What was it like? Um, it was different, to say the least. Uh, it was very warm. There's a lot of uh, people coming up trying to sell you things, hassling you all the time. It's terrible. Yeah. But uh, basically, it was a good, good holiday, you know. Yeah, yeah. Great, great break. I expect you were in Lebanon at some stage. Oh, I was, yeah. But well, what's the difference between the two places? Uh, it's completely different here. The people here, they have no respect for life whatsoever. Uh, and they're not afraid of a gun. They're more afraid of a stick. Um, like when we go on convoys, if you point the gun at somebody, if you think they're endangering your life, if you point the gun at them, they don't bother. But if you pick up a stick, we call them baho sticks. Bahos go away. and. The stick is called a baho stick. So when you lift it up, they just go away. You don't have to tell them. How amazing. Yes, yeah. What can you do for, for uh, relaxation? Um, is there any... Well, what I do was listen to Christy all the time. <laughs> That's my <laughs> relaxation. Yeah, Christy? Christy's the best. Zog <laughs> little dog. <laughs> That's the saying over here. When you meet anyone, you say, Zog little dog, where's the Christy? It's now about 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. Taken to a tent for a wee rest and then off to lunch. After lunch, I'm taken on a tour with Morris O'Donoghue, a really splendid commentator, to see some of the countryside, go through by Doha City, and then a visit to an Indian camp, making sure that the guns are loaded as we leave through the main gate. And obviously we are, we're all armed uh, with um, style rifles and uh, we have an escort of our own with the uh, GPMGs, but we stop outside and uh, we load our weapons here. Oh, are you too? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. How many people live in the town? There's about, um, I suppose, the best guesstimate would be about 70,000. But you That's will see as you. Oh, it's, it's, in fact, oh. it's the largest inland city, as they would call it here, um, in Somalia. And in fact, it's a very important town because it's at the uh, very strategically located between Ethiopia, Kenya, and uh, Somalia. We go straight on. Just on the right-hand side is the uh, Indian hospital, 
and uh, the Indian Hospital treat upwards of four to 500 local Somalis every day. People trek in literally for 25, 30 kilometres, incredible uh, distance to get treatment here in the Indian Hospital and the Indians obviously do it as a humanitarian, um, for, for humanitarian reasons. And uh, if you just look right and left as you go down, you'll see the incredible damage that has been done during the Civil War. All of the buildings destroyed, no roofs on anything. On the left-hand side, actually, is a school which was uh, run by Concern. Uh, that's Irish Concern, and uh, they're very much involved here in the town of Vaidoa in uh, rehabilitation and in schooling, both primary and, uh, and uh, secondary schooling. And they also have a teacher training college there, which was actually opened by the Minister for Defence about uh, four months ago when he was here on one of his visits. Oh, really? Yeah. See the ladies on the left-hand side? Oh. I mean, you can see they're treated absolutely dreadfully. Loads and loads of sticks on their back. Mm. I mean, it's, it's appalling the weather treated there. Literally worse than uh, pack animals. On the left hand side, you've got the main water point for the town. And in fact, that's the river, although it doesn't look very much like a river now, completely dry, dry. and bare. And we're going down through the main street of the town, and here on the left, you've got very displaced persons' houses and shacks. It's almost beyond those. belief. They do indeed, Jim. And just up here it's on the right hand side, we have uh, what's known as the chat market. And uh, actually, there's very little activity around now because the chat obviously hasn't come in. But, What's um, the chat? Chat is uh, a narcotic. It's a narcotic weed, basically, oh. which is uh, a stimulant, and it also acts as a hunger suppressant. And um, it's flown in from Kenya, where it's grown. And it's it's legal, believe it or not. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> insofar as anything is illegal here, it's, uh, <laughs> it's legal. And uh, when the chat market is in full swing, it's quite incredible. Um, site here. Literally thousands of people really? uh, queuing up for it and they chew it and it gives you a bit of a high and... Uh, and then what do they do? I mean would you notice that they're on a high? You would. You'd notice them in their appearance and uh, if they're inclined to be aggressive they're probably a bit more so when they're, when they're on a high. And we're literally passing through the centre of the town itself and as you can see people living in quite appalling poverty. Although life, I think that one of the interesting sites is we've just passed a new petrol station, yeah. or a, a diesel station in fact, and uh, that's new development over the last couple of months. So over the last uh, few months there has been an enormous change. I mean in the last year, yeah. Baidoa has totally changed from what it was. I mean before there was nothing moved, no people were dying and there are hundreds literally now there's a normality. In fact just here on the left hand side it would be what you might call the central bus terminus but uh, it's uh, where you can see the old the ladies and the people sitting there with their children and their containers of water. They may have come in 10 kilometres for that water or they've got gourds, the gourds which um, contain camel milk yeah. which they drink. And, um, and would they buy the camel milk? They buy the camel milk or trade a gym, but yeah. they, they are waiting for a lift. And you see one of those old buses or the trucks. And you could, literally, bus. it's no, no exaggeration to see 150 people crammed inside one of those single-decker buses. And they're so cracking. Terrible, yeah. Oh. See the bullet hole in the window of his... Uh, it's for its Somali version of air conditioning. I mean, look at the bath looking so incongruous looking sitting there on the side of the road. Obviously, it had been looted out of a house or something. No water. Water is the biggest problem here at the moment. The drought is... See this poor lady here? My God, she's carrying, I suppose, at least 100 weight of sticks in her back. Close to it, anyhow. Yes. I mean, it's dreadful. Um, when we're going around uh, the bypass route, as we call it, around the town, there are quite a lot of 
shacks. I mean, they're like upturned umbrellas, really, made from twigs and scraps of cloth and bits of uh, grass and bits of polythene, whatever they can find. And these actually are used by people as their homes. Now, there is a, there is a suggestion that um, some of the people who would like to uh, get uh, more water and more food from the aid agencies, the NGOs, the non-governmental governmental agencies, that they um, have set these up and that they move out of town and stay there during the day to give the impression that they're living there. But without doubt that there are many people coming in and more and more people are beginning to come into um, to town. Um, um, we're coming up to a fairly grim uh, area here where these displaced persons have their little shacks which are so familiar from the days of the famine and you can see how appalling they are. I suppose there must be literally on the size of a football field there are probably 300 families wouldn't be an exaggeration living. They're living in those shacks, yeah. I mean, in the old days, this was a, a marvellous centre for wildlife and lion, elephant, leopard, everything was here, but now they've either poached it or shot it or eaten it or whatever, you know. On the right-hand side, you've got an old truck, as you can see, just completely stripped. They're amazing, like, they can, they take literally everything. Uh, they salvage it and they use it to keep their old trucks running. I don't know how they do it. You see the houses on the left-hand side completely gutted. No windows, no electrical plumbing, no conduit, no cable. They even dig up the, um, the piping underground. The women carry, say, 25, 30 litres of water in a container strapped on their back and they use a band around their forehead to support it. And they literally go off into the bush in bare feet across the thorns and the cash carrying this. It's, it's just it's unbelievable. See, the, see, the, see that woman? I mean, she's carrying one, two, she's three, she's four containers, actually. I mean, that's... But you probably might be going to walk 10 and 12 miles. I'd say 10, 12 miles, miles absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's fighting. See them all gathered here? Oh, yes. And they're sitting with the most meagre shadow, shade and um, oh, all gathering. And it's all for water. All for water, yeah. I mean, it's disgraceful that in this day and age that people have to... Yes. have to queue for the most basic necessity of life like that. Let us stop to meet some of the Indian engineers for a very welcome cold beer and some Indian snacks, all served on silver dishes by white-gloved waiters. I am Lieutenant Colonel Suj, Officer Commanding Indian Engineers Company at Baidua. I take this opportunity to bid goodbye to number one Irish Transport Company and welcome number two Irish Transport Company. Our interaction with number one Irish Transport Company was a fabulous one. We always had very nice time with them, starting from the days when they lifted us from Mogadishu to this place. I look forward to a wonderful inning with number two. With these words, I wish all the best to number one and welcome number two for their wonderful time and by the way, thank you. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Wonderful, wonderful. Can you sing a song? My, 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 that's a very difficult proposition. <laughs> I've never sung, I've never sang. Oh, I, 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 I've been humming in the bathroom always. <laughs> no, yesterday there were the group of boys who had gone prepared and they sang some Indian song. I'll sing the same line for you, only one line, okay? Perfect. Chal musafir mohali ore pinjre wali muniya Chal musafir mohali ore pinjre wali muniya He was a big man with a big personality. 
Then a very different visit to the orphanage in Baidoa. Our President Mary Robinson also visited this same orphanage when she was there. Are they all without mothers and fathers? Yeah, they have not uh, parents all. At all? Yeah. Neither mother nor father? No father, and some of them have a mother, but they have not a father. And where were the mothers? And, uh, but uh, some of them, they have not mother and father. Oh, I understand, yes. Yeah. And their ages are from what? Their ages are uh, up to five until 14 years old. 14? 14 up to five. Yeah. And you have school? Yeah, school. they have two classrooms, uh, two elephant classrooms in here. Six is afternoon and six is uh, morning time. I see. And you have teachers? Yeah, we have... Uh, 850 children. I visited one room in which there were about eight kind of beds, planks with bits of blankets on top. In this room, 125 children slept. Food for them cooked on open fires, just beans, and the children begged for pens. There too, small children were dying of TB. There are six doctors with the Indian contingent, and later that night I met one of them. They had asked us to volunteer because they wanted lady medical officers and the nurses. When they came here, when our brigade came here, they found that there were a lot of women and children requiring treatment, the civilians. And uh, being a Muslim country, they would have preferred women to treat the women. So uh, our commander, when he came here, he sent across a message asking that they should say. Is there anything you particularly find difficult here? I mean, the difficult would be the um, the patients, they don't come back to you. Uh, like, you know, those whom they don't realize the importance. Like today you give them medicine for three days because we can't give longer because of, you know, um, they might sell them. They may not take them properly, they waste them, so we give them. And then after three days, they won't come back. They, they'll come after a week, so they've broken the treatment. You know, you get frustrated, and there's no hospital, proper hospitals for them, because we are not doing inpatient treatment for the civilians. Various reasons that I can't go into, but whatever, so we are not doing. So that is another problem. So. Otherwise, we are quite uh, well. Uh, we have a very good. Uh, we've got our own medicines from India. We're using those, so we're quite well off. You're doing a great job. Thank you. The doctor with the Irish Transport Company is Dr. Nora Curran. And she'd been there for one week when I talked to her. And she also travelled on the Hercules. Did indeed, yes. What do you think about that? Oh, it was amazing. But I, I, I love flying and airplanes and it, I found it very exciting. It was very strange, wasn't it? It was indeed. It was indeed. My biggest problem was the, the, um, the steward on the plane uh, said there was a latrine up front. <laughs> so I went up front expecting to find a latrine. And what I found was a very low-lying bucket... <laughs> on the floor near the cockpit so a uh, curtain was quickly provided and it was great fun noisy but great fun well have you had your first clinic yet we do have some spare time and we're able to go down to the the local hospital which is badly in need of any kind of help at all um the the staff there are brilliant they're all unpaid volunteers and how are the facilities there facilities are appalling um, in the sense uh, that they, they don't have x-ray um, and terrible road traffic accidents and gunshot wounds coming in and the surgeon has to operate on these people and remove 
bullets and whatever without any x-ray facility. Um, what about anaesthetic? They all, any, um, they don't have an anaesthetists. Uh, and a, a drug called ketamine is given for um, putting people asleep, which would not be used in Ireland at all these days. Um, also spinal uh, anaesthetic is given instead of what we use at home. Like an epidural? Like an epidural, yeah. yeah. So this is all that's available to them, but it works. And, you know, huge operations are carried out. I saw a man yesterday who had his arm amputated, a young man in his 20s, and uh, this was done with the use of ketamine. And, he's, you know, he he's, well, he's wide awake today anyway. He's fine. He's, yeah. he's fine, well, apart from his arm, yes. Are you excited to be here? Very excited, Where yes. Where are you from at home? I'm from Dublin, living in Nice. And I'm, this is somewhat different. It's very different, but I'm very excited about it and yeah. looking forward to six months. Yeah, that's great. So. And the new hands are being shown their duties by the old hands. What are you going to show them? No. I, I'm just uh, going to show them, show them the location here of this fuse box, uh, which is controlled from the cook house. This fuse box here, there's uh, eight breakers in it, and it's for the eight different uh, sleeper accommodations, just around here oh, lo locally. Yeah. And just showing them how to turn them off and on, and where and can go wrong. And how often does he have to do that? Or well, no, that's just if any problems uh, can come up, crop up, you know. Off through and through. No, there'd be no problems at all. Yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah. This is actually uh, controlled from the cookhouse area. If anything goes wrong, if anything trips out, you know, it'll be isolated down to the cookhouse. And and you can you can switch it on at the cookhouse for here. Yeah. That's after turning off all the accommodation here. Locally here, all the small, oh, all the small accommodations. Yeah. So you can do the same yeah. thing in the full course of the day, like one switch. You've all the different uh, sleepers there, yeah. and the air conditioning units there. Yeah. On the, it's back I on see. There. I see. C could we go down to the cookhouse? Can you, you want to go down to cookhouse? Yeah. Oh yeah, no problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's controlled. The cookhouse controls already everywhere. Um, Are you finding this very interesting? Huh? Oh, Are you finding it interesting? Yeah. Park. Haven't they made this all look very nice? Yeah, it's grand, right? Yeah. Now we're in the cookhouse. Yeah? We can isolate the whole uh, camp here from here as well. Oh, yeah. We have uh, four main breakers in this panel here. One for... Uh, two, two for the accommodation. That's where it was just after showing you. I can knock out the accommodation from here, like that there. Yeah. So all the accommodation's off there now. So I'll just go back on. They think everything is broken down. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't switch these to off now because there's uh, computers on at the moment, you know. Yeah, correct. Uh, you have the laundry panel there, and then you have the kitchen supply here. So this place is here. It's all really very simple, isn't it? Very simple. All, yeah. there. all have breakers. If there's any problems, like, you just ship out there. You have convection ovens, grill oven, range oven, deep wrap fryer. This is all three phase. Like, we really surprised ourselves with the equipment, you know. But, um, it's, it's it's not what we expected, you know. We expected something a lot worse than it, you know. Yeah. So we were really thrilled with it. Yeah. I just tell her there, like most of the stuff came with the with the weather here from it's Canada. It, yeah, it's totally yeah. it's totally fitted out. Everything we need, everything we need is in it, like, you know. As you, as you can see, it it's. it's so when they bought the the weather heaven, the weather heaven, yes. Things that we're sleeping in, mm. you know. Yeah, before we uh, got the weather haven, like we were in tents and we had the 
the, the other burners, the other cookers. The M59s. M59s, field cookers, like on the ground, like, you know. But uh, after the 10 days, like, we uh, yeah. had all this set up, you know. Yeah. But did they come night with the beds in them as well? Yeah. The weather heaven, yeah. Beds, lockers. To lockers, the bed sheets, and all that came with the weather heaven. It was fantastic, you know. Tell me, um, are, are you dying with the heat? No, no, I don't. It's. It's hot, like, but so if you keep walking around this ground, like, it's not too yeah. bad, you know. But yeah. if it's still, still, I wouldn't be able to stand out. Like, no, no, you couldn't. You no, not at all. Can you tell me where you're from, Evan? I'm uh, from County Limerick. Where in County Limerick? Ballylanders, small village of Ballylanders. <laughs> so. God, Ballylanders to here and never have been anywhere before yeah, is an incredible difference, isn't it? Uh, it is all right, uh, yeah. big change, but we get used to it now. Six yeah, months get used to it, so. As with most places there, and all the generators and indeed the wind, difficult to find a quiet area. But I did talk to one of the Somalis who works there. There are four of them, very pleased to have a job, and think their $200 a month is just wonderful. I talked to Happy, as he is called. He was delighted with life now, not as it was just a short time ago, with maybe 300 people dying every day. People used to pay for almost... Uh... 300 a day for hungry, but uh, there's no much problem now. All gone? Yes. Life is becoming normal as it used to be for, for the civil war. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. really? So that's Re- good? Really. In such a short time? Yes. Your business is going good, but the problem is sometimes banditry on the way to road. For example, when you're going to Mogadishu, there's some bandits. It's only those ones. There's no much problem. In downtown, the security is good. In yeah, according to if I compare Mogadishu and here, yeah. it's a big difference. Here really? is much better. Yeah, and here everybody is very happy with the Irish, especially <laughs> because the reason why we are happy with the Irish, there are some local NGOs who are from Ireland. They come and help our people, so we are very happy with those special Irish people. Yeah. For our sleep in the Weatherhaven tent, next morning we were supposed to leave at half past eight. News came of the hijack in Nairobi. So the Hercules arrived about three hours late. Then it was time to leave Camp Shannon with the number one transport company to fly home. Number one transport company! Jackie! Right! Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine The boys approaching the Hercules delighted to be on the first leg of the journey back. It was an amazing sight. Parked there on the runway, the Hercules, around nothing but desolate land, and a farewell scene set up by the Indians. Red carpet, tables with soft drinks and tidbits, all covered by a very colourful canopy. And the band of the Indian contingent in their wonderful uniforms, perhaps better looking than better sounding. Another couple of hours on the Hercules to Nairobi, a delay, and then back on the plane where I found Matty Doyle, delighted to be going home because he was one of the very first to land in Baidoa. It was the real VBF, <laughs> uh, human school, <laughs> that's all that occupied the field when we arrived. Did you find the skull? Aye, <laughs> uh, it was just lying on top of the ground. Uh, 
Well, we started off uh, as soon as the lads arrived, uh, unloaded everything and uh, proceeded to set it up. We had the assistance from supervisors from Weatherhaven and they basically, they basically showed us, uh, we divided up into groups, like uh, different groups, and one crowd would uh, set down the foundations and the crowd put down the floors. After a while, like, uh, it was pretty obvious who was good at what job, so we changed them around and so uh, basically it went like that. One crowd would go ahead setting up the floor, the next crowd would come behind putting up the frame, and then another party come along putting up the canvas. Then the electrician and his party, the wiring, so it progressed like that, you know. How long did it take? It took us ten hard, grueling days, let me tell you. Uh, we were usually up at about, about half past four, quarter to five. And about halfway through the right. Uh, half past four, quarter to five, and a bit of breakfast. And as soon as first light started, we started working. Basically, it was it was go through the day with maybe just a half an hour during the day and until the sun went down at night. And it didn't even always end there. Like Some of the guys kept going longer, like, you know. Well, I suppose the quicker you got to set up the well, that was the, that was it, that was it. How did you manage when there, were, there was nothing to sleep in? Well, that was part of my job when I went out first, myself, and another chap who actually had to be repatriated. Uh, we got a loan of six big quiet tents off the French and erected those, and they were the temporary accommodation like, when the lads came out. That's all they had, <laughs> six tents. It was very dusty, and we had intermittent kind of showers. Like, there was nothing really heavy. That was to come later. We had a, a particularly bad day, or a bad couple of days, and it was just terrible. Like, you know? I mean, you gained six inches walking around. It just clung to the heels of your shoe or the soles of your boots. What, you mean you grew taller? You grew taller, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets everywhere. Oh, it's been so messy. Bad. Yeah, it's very, very messy. I can't believe it, you know, that it looks so good now, I mean, as pants yeah. go. That when you arrived, it was just nothing but feet. Yeah. It's a big brown thing. Just tell me a little bit about taking all the photographs, will you? <laughs> it is, nice oh, as well. How many places now have you been to take photographs? Um, this really is the second time, um, apart from Lebanon and the normal routine at home, uh, the Somalia mission is uh, really the second time overseas. Um, so I saw like, you taking loads and loads and loads of photographs. Is there any one now you think that's going to be really good? Um, probably, uh, I would say the orphanage, without doubt. You know, like the t we have an orphanage in Lebanon, as, as a lot of people will know, but it's it's on a much smaller scale and much much better, you know, well looked after by the Irish out there. But this is a totally different scene altogether. Uh, much poorer, you know, um, a lot, a lot of, an awful lot of children. Something I think was in the region of a thousand children out here, you know. And uh, like the brightness in the rise there, the minute the troops walk in, start talking to them, and you know, and they're actually being well looked after out here now, as opposed to what they were maybe two or three years ago. Uh, you saw for yourself there the, the, the amount of cooking that was being done in the big vats and the big pots. But definitely, uh, from a photographic point of view, children children always always supply um, a great opportunity, you know, and look very oh magnificent. Yeah, look very very well. Yeah. Some are very sick. Did you see some of the sick ones? I didn't know. Unfortunately, didn't get an opportunity. I. I by the time we were getting out of the of that area, you know, we were, I was starting to move. But from what I did see, um, the kids were, were well looked after, mind you now. And even though the, the times look to be undernourished, you know, they were they were looking fairly well and very happy, very happy at the moment. 
but certainly that that's um, it's something that you see so often in news at home. But it's only until you get on the ground and see it that um, you realise how, how how bad things really are. We're about two hours from landing in Dublin, and the army found out that this flight is the very last flight being taken by our captain, and he's Captain Fisher, and he's retiring tonight on this plane on its last flight as well for Aer Lingus because then it's going off to America and I have a wonderful ringside view here because we're up at the very top of the aeroplane and they're having a guard of honour for the for the captain I'm going to present him with something small and I'm going to play music as well so it's going to happen in a minute or two Wednesday, we are back at McKee Barracks where the families wait for their men. Where was your daddy? Daddy? Yeah. My daddy. Somalia. Where was he? Yeah. He was in Somalia. In Somalia. Does he look different? Yeah. Does he? He's a face dirty. He's face dirty. Isn't he? Do you think his face is all dirty? Where's your daddy? He does he won't obviously it won't say much to you. I don't suppose. No. Does he look funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he look all different? He's on his, looks his nice birthday brown. Yeah. Was it his birthday? Yeah, he's 22, two. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great to have him back yeah. Are you happy now? Oh yeah. Can we say that again? <laughs> great. Okay. Your daddy coming back? Yeah, yeah. Coming back from where? Somalia. Oh have you seen him yet? Yeah. Have you? Yes. Oh, have you? What does he look like? Um, <coughs> he's really brown. Does he, does he look different? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Does he think you look different? Um, yeah. 
Can you say you got bigger? Yeah. Yeah, because they have, I'm sure. Are you going to the party for him? Yeah. Really, tell me about it. Uh, there's loads of balloons at home. At the end of three days, happy, happy families at McKee Barracks at 1am on the 8th of March. Have a good St. Patrick's Day.